All right, let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome back to another episode of Ryan's Ramble. I'm your host. My name is Ryan Bennell. If you're unfamiliar, eh, unfamiliar with me, already starting out with some tongue twisters, check me out over on social media. You can see on the screen here if you're watching the YouTube version. I'm over at Ryan Bennell 8. I am one of the associate editors at Frogs of War. Always just want to give a shout out before I really get into the episode to Frogs of War, Melissa, Jamie, everybody involved for this opportunity to have this podcast. It has been a blast so far, and it's going to be continue to be a blast. We have a good time making picks here. So if you don't know what this podcast is, a quick explanation. This is your one-stop shop for all of your sports betting needs here at the Frogs of War Network. We're going to be going through college football all the way up until college basketball tip-off. Then we may be having two separate shows. I don't know exactly what we're going to do with that, but all you need to know right now is if you're here to make some picks, if you're here to talk about some games, you're at the right place. We're going to be making picks and hopefully some more winners. We've been killing it right now. We're hot, hot, hot. Last week, the title of the podcast was Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. And as I haven't quite decided what I want the title to be this week yet, I will like as soon as I'm done recording usually. Uh, it'll probably be along the lines of something like Hot Street because it has been six winning weekends in a row. We will talk about that in a second. But first, before we get into the actual gambling picks and everything like that, I do need to say disclaimer this podcast is entertainment purposes only frogs of war is not a betting proponent sports gambling is illegal in the state of texas so we are not advising you to gamble i am not a financial advisor no matter what what you do in your free time that's up to you what we are here to do is have a good time and winning is always more fun so we're here to win as well Anyway, before we go into the sports betting portion, I always start out these episodes with uh, my take on the TCU game and then my take on just college football last week in general in my things we learned segment so that we can apply them to this week's picks. But I genuinely don't even want to talk about the TCU game. I have no desire, nothing. I, I'm just sad. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I'm, I'm just broken at this point. Uh, all off season, I had been defending the frogs to my A&M buddies, my UT buddies, like, nah, man, this is the year. Max Duggan coming in year three. We have a young team. They got more experience now. QJ, Zach Evans. Zach Evans lived up to everything. QJ for like two games. It's just a mess. I'm sure you guys, everything that could be said has probably already been said about the football program right now. Three and four. Just suffered a, a loss at home to a subpar West Virginia team who was two and four entering that ball game. And one thing I really noticed from TC, and the one the only thing I really want to talk about about the game, I don't want to get into semantics, but is that home field advantage is non-existent in Fort Worth, and it is really frustrating as somebody because I I've grown up my whole life though. Although I am a TCU student, yes, I have grown up my whole life following TCU football, so. I've been there for the days where we would go, you know, 12 and 0, perfect. The Rose Bowl season where we would just dominate Mountain West year in and year out. And now, and also back in the in the days when TCU used to be considered one of the top 25 toughest places to play, especially a night game, it would sell out. We would we would sell out games against Utah for Christ's sakes. And now we can barely fit we used to be a top 25 tough place to play. Now we can barely fit 25,000 fans in the stands past halftime. I know we have these nice club sections, the the new VIP, I forget, the Legends and Sweet Club. That's what it is, I believe. The Legends Club. It's all sweet. It's all fine and dandy. 
it it looks it's gorgeous the optics are great but the optics aren't great when there's no butts in the seats it's really as like someone who considers myself a true fan it really kind of just hurts me to see nobody in the stands everybody giving up everybody just leaving at halftime screw it and i mean i get it for the students you know i guess they want to go to bars and whatnot maybe i'm just a nerd for caring about football too much but it blows my mind when people are like oh yeah we don't care it's a three-point game but we're just gonna go leave and go watch it at a bar like what i i just i want that energy back at the carter because i know we can do it we've done it in the past i feel like this loss to west virginia wasn't even the worst loss of the season. I feel like, and if you look at our predictions, the whole Frogs were staff predictions, I said the same thing. I think that the biggest loss of the season has been the interest of the fan base. Everybody has given up. People are are turning heads on Gary Patterson. And I, I really don't have anything, like any valuable analysis to add about the losses per se. It's just sad. Like it's it's sad to see everybody's turning on each other, not each other, I guess, but mostly on Gary and the boys. Like, a lot of people are calling for Gary's head, and I don't know if I want to to publicly come out and say I'm ready to question Gary's job yet because I don't think I am quite yet. I'm like right on the edge. I've been defending Gary for years now because that man made TCU, and TCU Athletics owes their entire future to that man, Gary Patterson. Without a doubt, if you disagree, you're wrong. He is that dude in TCU history. There's a reason we have a statue of him outside the stadium and that's another thing though is we have a statue of him outside the stadium which is going to make this process of moving on way harder way more difficult the university is not going to be so quick to the gun you know will it ever happen i don't know could i see it happening before this year i would have told you absolutely not now that we're three and four i 100 percent see it as a possibility in the next couple years so it is what it is. This was supposed to be the year, and it's clearly not. Maybe maybe next year. I'm mostly just kind of bummed because I'm a senior this year, and this was – I really just wanted to have one good year. And I know it's a little bit selfish, but I wanted to have one good year of football while I was, you know, in the student section getting to experience all that, especially considering the last three years I was in the band, so I never got to actually go to the games. But now with Frogs of War, we're working the press box, so that's even better. All right, anyway, that's enough about the depression that is the game. I don't even want to talk about the actual game itself. So anyway, let's talk about the rest of college football because no matter what kind of mood I'm in, I can always talk grand landscape of college football. TCU loses, just turn on another game. It's fine. Well, that made it sound like just too simple. I don't care. Well, at this point, generally, I don't care if we lose to Kansas State. It, it seems like that might be what gets us towards changes, and we need to make big, big, big changes. And quit being so damn stubborn. Maybe a three and five team might be like, oh, we need to make some changes. But then a 500 team will be like, oh, we can still make a bowl game. Yay. I'm sick of it. But anyway, here's what we learned from last week. This segment, I always do this to uh, kind of take my big picture points, takeaways, things we learned, lessons, yada, yada, you name it, from last weekend of college football and talk about them a bit so that I can apply them into uh, my next week's picks or future picks. So first up, Cincinnati. What I learned last week after their seven-point win against a bad Navy team is that they are going to have to blow out everybody. Everybody on the remainder of their schedule, they're going to have to beat them convincingly if they want a shot at the playoffs. 
They have SMU at home, though. They have SMU at home left on their schedule, which that should be their hardest game left. And I think Cincinnati should be able to handle them by at least 10 points, even though SMU's offense is nuts. But right now, it's a situation where I see Georgia, Alabama both getting in because I think they're going to make the SEC championship and then Bama wins. So they're both going to get in with one loss, and that's going to be annoying. And then Ohio State, they're balling out right now. It looks like they might win out. So that's a very possible scenario that Ohio State gets in. And then last but not least, Oklahoma. They're 8-0. I don't really think they have anybody left on their schedule that could beat them. It's it's Oklahoma's probably a shoe-in for the playoffs at this point. So I don't know what to think of it. I hate it. If that's what happens, I hate it. I want to see Cincinnati in the playoffs more than anything in the world this year. That is all I want out of college football this year is Cincinnati in the playoffs. If they get blown out by 30-plus points, I don't care. Notre Dame did it like three times. All right? Give Cincy a chance. Next up, we learned that the new overtime rules are electric, although last week's example was not the best. So if you didn't catch it, we had a nine overtime game between Penn State and Illinois, where Illinois actually ended up coming away with the upset in Happy Valley, which is even crazier with their backup quarterback, like so many things that you just wouldn't expect this to happen. They went into overtime. Um, I forgot what the actual original score was, but after double overtime, it was 18 to 18. And so the new overtime rules are instead of going like, you know, back and forth where you either score a touchdown or a field goal and you have to match it or you lose third overtime. The difference was you always had to go for two. You couldn't take an extra point. Whereas now with triple quadruple fifth overtime, sixth overtime, it is only a two, two point conversion. No possession. You don't get the ball at the 25. You run one play from the three-yard line. That is it. And this game had 10 consecutive failed two-point conversions. It was it was so entertaining but so hard to watch at the same time. I hadn't seen anything like it in a while. The game was just back and forth just so much. Neither team wanted to win the game. I mean, I guess you could say Illinois did because they were you know, on an upset. But it, Penn State just looked defeated. They were not... They didn't care is what it seemed like. And James Franklin, you know, he has all those rumors with the USC and everything. James James Franklin's head was all over the place. He literally, in the post-game interview, I forget his exact quote, but they asked him, you know, about, like, how they're going to bounce back after this. And he goes, you know, we're just prepared for one thing, and uh, that's, to, that's for Illinois next week uh, in the big house. So, first of all, you just got done playing Illinois. That's your first mistake, Mr. Franklin. Second of all, the big house is Michigan. You're playing Ohio State next week in the horseshoe. So obviously, I mean, you're trying to say you're focusing on one game at a time, but that makes me think that you're focusing on Southern California, Mr. Franklin. I don't know. I don't know. But he's one of the only coaches that really hasn't come out and dismissed the rumors like guys like Mike Tomlin did where he said, never say never, but never. I love that from Tomlin. But next up, we learned that a Wake Forest versus Pittsburgh ACC championship is coming. It's happening. Pitt is a shoe-in right now. They have an undefeated record in conference. They have a two-game lead over Virginia right behind them in their division. And Wake Forest, on the other hand, they just need to beat NC State at home. And then the ship is theirs. They're good. They're going to the championship game. That is their only tough game left where NC State could potentially slot above them if they win that game so Wake Forest versus Pitt man who would have thought you know everybody had poised uh 
Clemson, of course. I mean, Clemson, the odds for them to win the ACC were like minus 800. So if you bet against that, good for you. I don't even care. Just good for you for taking. I don't care who you took if you get it right or wrong. That was bold, and it worked. But, no, I mean, they had Clemson, of course. UNC was the obvious, like, favorite, not favorite, but obvious number two. Miami, everybody had poised as the number three. People had talked about them having a 10-win season. So, wow, Wake Forest and Pitt. I love to see it, you know, shake things up. I hope, I mean, obviously neither one of them is going to get in the playoffs. The ACC is probably left out. Unless somehow Wake Forest goes undefeated, that is a possibility, I guess. Then, Then what do we do, you know? I mean, I think you have to put them in, right? An undefeated team out of the ACC, you have to put them in. If you put Clemson in, it would literally just be counterintuitive. I don't know. I hate the committee. I could talk about the committee's decisions all day, but that would be a very interesting scenario. And also, just minor side note, we learned that Sam Hartman is that dude. He put up Madden stats versus Army last week. I'm talking like 458 yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he did that on only like 23 out of 28 passes, like 458 yards on 23 completions. That's nuts. So this Wake Forest offense is the real deal. Yeah, but sticking with the ACC, though, next thing we learned, and this was really made prevalent this week, even though Pittsburgh's a good team, I don't want to discredit them whatsoever. But Clemson is straight up not good at football this year. They're they're just bad. I don't want to say the dynasty's over because I've seen some hot takes saying that they're done for. But I think they just have so many systems in place. Like their recruiting pipeline is amazing. Their coaching staff is amazing. Their facilities like Clemson's they're going to bounce back. They're going to be fine. They're going to be eventually they're going to be good. I mean, who knows? But it doesn't seem like the fall from from grace just yet. Dynasty is not done yet. But no, they're coming up off a loss to uh, Pittsburgh, 14-point loss. I think it was 27-13 to 13 was the final score. And my friend started calling their quarterback because, you know, I have such a hard time pronouncing DJ Ugalele. I probably said it wrong that time too. But my friend started saying DJ Ugabuga, and so that's what we're going with. DJ Ugabuga is an absolute embarrassment for the Clemson program. I mean, you go from guys like Deshaun Watson – Trevor Lawrence, you could even say like Taj Boyd, Kelly Bryant, they were they were solid. They weren't like spectacular, but they could get you to the playoffs. They could get you to an ACC championship. DJ Ugabuga, not so much. My man had a 48% completion percentage last week against Pitt, only threw for 128 yards and two interceptions. This this Clemson offense is really, really bad. It, I know it's kind of funny though, because I'm gonna go against what I'm saying here in the future. You'll see. Just stay tuned because Clemson is on my betting card this week. But it's it's kind of weird to see what's going on. And last but not least on the what we learned, it is that first half Kansas is a wagon. Like, that's it. That end of statement, that is it. They held Oklahoma to zero points in the first half, which was the Sooners' first scoreless half of football since 2015. Of all teams, Kansas was the one to do it. I don't know how. It would have been even better if Kansas somehow held on to pull off the upset. But you just knew the Sooners were not done at halftime. They scored 35 in the second half to come away with the win. After that complete, just that play, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to look it up. It's um, Caleb Williams. There was a fourth and one. Kansas stopped it. They were going to get the ball back down five with two minutes. It was a perfect, like, winning drive situation. 
but Caleb Williams ripped the ball out of his own running back's hands a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage and then ended up just breaking free for the first. Like, never have I ever seen anything like it. Never do I think I will again, but it worked for that play, and that's how they got the win. But my question with all this, though, is where was that slow start Oklahoma against TCU? Huh? That would have been nice for us. We would have had a much better chance. It is what it is, though. Anyway, I just thought that one was kind of a, a meme to include there. First half, Kansas. They almost did it. I heard, Also, Kansas, too, during that game is a bit off topic. But they stopped checking tickets, and they, like, tweeted, everybody come to the stadium. At no tickets required. Just come to the stadium. Which would kind of make me feel salty if I had spent, like, 30 bucks on a ticket, and I could have just ended up going for free. But that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, anyway, that's all we got for what we learned last week. I debated on discussing maybe a coaching change at TCU, but now that I think about it, I think I'm not going to because I don't know if I can say it. I really don't think I can say it. I don't think I'm ready to say it yet. Gary, I love you, my guy. I believe in you still. Please turn this around if, if you're out there by chance listening to Ryan's ramble, which I highly, highly doubt. But, Gary, if you hear me, I believe in you. <laughs> Don't know how much that means, but, you know, it's something at least. All right. Anyway, let's get into the gambling portion. Before we go to this week's card, last week's picks, we finished six and five, which is not perfect, but that is still a winning record, which makes, oh, wait, I meant to have this ready. Hold on. No, we're going to, we're going to do it anyway. I have to, we got to be patient. Oh, wait, I need a, there we go. A loop. That's what I found. Before I reveal it, you know, we had to play this. Six straight winning weeks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't I don't know what this is doing anymore. I thought that would work out a lot better than it did. But anyway, you get the point. Six straight winning weeks, baby. We're feeling hot. We're feeling confident. I don't know how the hell I'm doing it. I don't want to promise that I'm going to continue to do it, but I would like to believe I can continue to do it. We're at six weeks. We're striving for seven weeks. Right now, we are 55 and 43 with two pushes on the year after a even 100 picks, which is beautiful. I am so happy with where we are at right now. That puts us at a 56.1 win percentage, excluding those two pushes. Hey, we are right in the ranks with the pros. These, this is the type of percentage that people do this for a living. If they're throwing big, big, big units, we would be up a decent amount of money right now. But I'm a broke college student, so I can't really throw that big of units. So last week, though, we went 2-1 and one in our big bets in Tier 1 last week. I couldn't keep that undefeated streak alive, but I believe that makes me 8-1 in the last three weeks on my Tier 1 picks. So if you're really hammering those or if you're just following my Tier 1 picks, Hell, good for you. Yeah, let's do it. I love it when people follow my picks. It like, I, I mean, I know that's kind of the purpose of this whole podcast and the whole blog and everything, but having people, you know, come up to me just in my, you know, my buddies or my friends or something saying like, oh, hey, man, like I tailed that pick. Like that was good. That was good shit. And I'll be like, oh, like really? Like you tailed my pick? You know, that's, that's what I'm here for. But it, it's like cool just to actually see it happen sometimes. So and especially in the comments section, love seeing all of y'all's picks and everything. Love talking about the picks. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was my record now, 55-43-2. Last week, we had some interesting games. Oklahoma State plus seven was a surgical lock. 
surgical. Don't care if they lost the game. They cover the spread. That's all that matters. And that big taunting call that took back a Cyclone touchdown may have been the difference maker early in the game. I think it was in the first half. So it may have been the difference maker long term. NC State completely choked. I had them minus three and a half at Miami. Completely choked the end of the game. <coughs> Excuse me. Had a lot of opportunities to win it. Win it. They should have. Don't know if they would have actually covered the spread, though, but that one was still just frustrating. Boston College, on the other hand, they let me down against Louisville last week. They've had a knack for keeping games close, but I, I, for some reason, I'm still high on Boston College as road dogs. I actually had them in my cart and then took them out like 30 seconds before starting to record. So if that if Boston College covers the spread this week, I will be pretty upset. But I did last minute scrap them. The more I was looking into it, the more I was researching the numbers, you know, I just I, I turned me off. It made me feel more confident for Syracuse this week. So other than that, we had UMass at plus 35.5. That was a big old L. Florida State won that game by 56. That was the fun pick, though. That was the fun pick. I, I wanted to do it. We had the only time we picked UMass all year. They covered. So I thought I could do it again. Didn't work out. It's whatever. Florida State actually looked like a decent team, surprisingly. And somehow the under actually hit in the TCU game. This is the first time I've made a pick on a TCU game all year, an official pick. And I went with the under 56 and a half. And after a 37 point first half, I thought there was no chance. I just stopped caring about the over under. I thought it was gone. It was a nine point second half. So zero from TCU, which I'm just going to get sad all over again. So I'll stop it there. But that was a nice hit, uh, even though we lost. Nice to get a, a win, at least, out of the pick. So, yeah, let's talk about this week's pick, starting with TCU. Not going to give an official pick just yet, but not going to give advice on this one, really. The line is TCU at plus 3.5, Kansas State or 3.5-point favorites. The over-under is set at 58.5. And as I said, I'm not going to give advice, but I would not be surprised if TCU does not cover the spread. Uh, I really see us going into Manhattan and taking a, a pretty similar loss like we did against West Virginia, a game that we're fully capable of competing in, but mistakes are going to be crucial. Not going to be our defense too. not going to be able to make stuff. I don't even, it's hard to talk about it, man. Cause then I just get whatever. I don't even want to think about it. Screw it. Just, I would stay away from the TCU game this weekend at all costs. If you're trying to bet on it, I, it's just, I don't like either spread over under spread, whatever you want to do. I don't really like any of them, but what I do like is the board this week, the whole board. I am absolutely in love with. I want to take it out on, on, on a nice dinner date. I want to give it some wine, you know, maybe, maybe caress their hair, the cheek a little bit, the whole, the whole board, the entire board this week is just beautiful. I think I started with like 20. I always go through making all my picks then I kind of crunch down. Here's my order of operations. I guess I've never really talked about this. I always go through the entire board, make out my first reaction picks, right? Like what I think, what I think, what I like. Then I go through, look into those games a little bit, research each one, not like in depth, in depth, but enough. And then I'll kind of eliminate some games that I feel less confident that'll narrow it down a bit. Then I'll go look at systems, uh, pro projections, stuff like that, like tools that are used to analyze this. And sometimes I'll take system plays that I really like, sometimes not so much. So it's a whole process. I do go through this process of elimination, but I absolutely love the board this week. I would get down on one knee and propose to the board this week. And I hope 
those aren't my famous last words as we go into what could be our seventh winning week in a row. It's a lot of pressure. I feel pressure right now. Am I putting this pressure on myself? Yes. But it doesn't matter. We got to win. So we started with 20 picks. I think we got down to 13, I believe it is. But we're going to start, as always, with Tier 3, our lowest level of confidence picks. And then we're going to work all the way up to Tier 1, our big money, big boy, favorite picks of the weekend. I need a sip of water first. Whew. I always forget, you know. Anytime I start recording this, I'm just like, oh, because I do another podcast uh, with my uh, co-host, my buddy Elijah. And so it's a very different vibe, though, doing like a give and take podcast versus just a solo podcast. I am exploring the option, though, of potentially having some guests come on here to talk about some betting picks and, you know, sharing their take on my picks and whatnot and vice versa. So we'll stay tuned. We'll see if that happens down the line. I'm not sure that would work considering they're not frogs war employees i don't know i'm still I, I don't know where i'm going i'm getting brain dead right now let's just talk about picks gambling here we go tier three. First up on the list we're going with pittsburgh minus nine versus miami of florida at home like i said last week and i know i was wrong i know nc state did not cover but always fade miami every time you get the chance uh, this line started or it opened at Pittsburgh minus 12 and a half, and it has moved all the way down to Pitt minus nine because of public backing with Miami. And also, I think the market overcorrected a little bit after Miami beat NC State, which that's what you love to see. That, that's perfect for this. Uh, it's The only reason it is in tier three, though, is because still minus nine is a bit big of a spread for me. So I'm slightly hesitant, but I do really, really like the Panthers. Um, they've been, they've been balling out all year. They're, what is, I think they're, uh, yeah, six and one, six and one against the spread. Their only loss is to Western Michigan when they had their fluke outright loss to that. That's still their only loss of the season. Miami, again, they're not that good of a football team. Sure. They beat NC state last week, but again, they are not that good of a football team. They're going on the road in a place where this team is on fire. They have something to play for. They want to make the ACC championship. Miami's only purpose here would be to play spoiler. Pitt has the fourth highest scoring offense in the country at 45.3 points per game. And they're averaging 5.33 points per opportunity, which is amazing. And that's compared to Miami's 3.5 something. 3.53, I believe it is. And Miami's defense also has a tendency of struggling to keep offenses off the field. So this is a good situation for the pit offense. I think they're going to have a big day, probably put up 40 plus again, which is so weird because just historic, like my whole life, historically Pittsburgh has been like a slow beat you down defensive minded team. So I like it though. I like what I'm seeing from the, the modernized Panthers. Next up on tier three, we're taking SMU at Houston over 61. These teams are both offensive wagons. They're both of them are top 20 scoring offenses in the country with SMU being at number six. I think this game is going to be a shootout. The only game SMU is clearly the better team. The only way Houston's going to be able to keep up is if it is a shootout. I think they will because what's tricky about this game actually is I almost went with SMU plus one to cover the spread because for some reason, you know, SMU is undefeated. They have the ranking. Houston's favored in this game. They're favored to win by one point. 
which kind of scares me. I talk about trap games every now and then. That line looks like a trap game type line. So that's kind of why I'm staying away. But the fact, and also the fact that 80% of the public is betting on SMU scares me. I don't know. I don't know what to think of the spread. I really don't. But I think the only way Houston's going to be able to keep up is with a shootout. And SMU is going to be able to put up 40 points no matter what. So if Vegas really think, thinks Houston can win this game, they're going to have to win this game with 40-plus points of their own. So this should be a, an offensive shootout. Over 61 is a little bit lower than I thought it would be, honestly. I thought this would be like another ridiculous one, like 70. But it is what it is. I'll take it. All right, next up, we got UCLA plus six and a half at Utah. I have been taking Utah, or not Utah, I've been taking UCLA spread now, I think three or four weeks in a row, which kind of scares me. I don't I don't know why I'm doing it, but I really, I think this is the one. I like this one a lot. I had them last week against Oregon in what I thought was a trap game. They almost pulled it out, almost, but three-point loss, not too bad against the top 10 team depending on your perspective, but this is, this spread is too big in my opinion. Utah is clear, is not better than Oregon and UCLA was favored to beat Oregon. And now there's six point underdogs against Utah. Make it make sense. That's sometimes these things are weird, but the odds makers know everything, everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if Utah actually wins this game considering they're favored by so much, but I think six and a half points, that's a lot to work with. That is a lot of room for UCLA to do something. And like we saw against Oregon, too, they kind of have a spark in them at the end there. They had a spark in that fourth quarter, came back, which would be great for a backdoor cover here. Utah followed up their win, their big win over Arizona State uh, a couple weeks ago in that upset by losing to a subpar Oregon State team, who's actually kind of been surprising this year. Oregon State's, I think, 5-2. and two. Everybody had them going like 2-10, and 3-9 type shit, you know. Good for them, I guess, but UCLA also had plenty of opportunities to beat Oregon, but a close game is a close game. A close game will work for us in this one, so I like UCLA plus six and a half at Utah. Next up, this one completely contradicts everything I said at the beginning of this episode, and I don't care. We're going with Clemson minus nine to beat Florida State at home. Clemson is 0-7 against the spread this year. They have not won a single game against the spread and let me tell you something. Same thing with Alabama. Same thing with Ohio State. Same thing with these blue blood perennial powerhouses. They don't lose two games in a row. Clemson does not lose two games in a row. I know this is a weird, unorthodox season for their dynasty right now, but they don't lose two games in a row. Dabo's not going to let that happen. Florida State, I don't care how bad they, they could have beat UMass by 200 points. And I would still tell you that Florida State is a bottom tier ACC team right now. Clemson should be able to beat them by two possessions with ease. Um, if Clemson went four and four and didn't win this game, hell would freeze over immediately. Uh, but also one thing to remember with Florida State, I have here in my notes, sure, Florida State beat UMass by 56, but don't let that distract you from the fact that they're three to four and lost to Jacksonville State at home. <laughs> Can't let them forget that loss, man. That was ooh, brutal. All right, last but not least, now on our Tier 3 card is Washington State plus 17 at Arizona State. Now, this is actually going to be buying half a point. The real spread for this game is minus 16.5 in favor of Arizona State. But we're going to buy half a point and turn that 16.5 to an even 17, which gives us room for a push, if that's the case. And we'll take a push over a loss any day of the week. 
I say this every time they make my card, but I still think Arizona State is overhyped. They're not it. They're not it. That's it. I, so 70% of public bets right now are on the Sun Devils, which I like to see. I'm a big proponent of fading the public. And as you can tell, it's worked out from time to time so far on, on the show. So we're fading the public again here, and we're going with the Cougars, who have been on an absolute tear. Not so much winning football games, but covering, which is just as important. Cougars started out the season 0-3 against the spread and are now 5-0 and since. We're going to ride that train. Give me Washington State plus 17. To recap that Tier 3, we got Pittsburgh minus 9 versus Miami. SMU at Houston over 61.5. UCLA plus 6.5 at Utah. Clemson minus 9 versus Florida State. And Washington State plus 17 at Arizona State. All right. Now we go on to Tier 2. Oh, my mouth dries up, you know. I'm just rambling at this point. Now you know why it's called Ryan's Ramble. It's just me going and on and on and on for like 40 minutes. All right. Tier two, starting off, we're going with West Virginia plus seven and a half at home versus Iowa State. I think Iowa State does win this game. They just got that big, big time win, top 10 win against Oklahoma State. And honestly, I really wasn't so much impressed by a three point win against Oklahoma State at home. I think Oklahoma State was only given that ranking because they were undefeated and they were only undefeated because they hadn't really played the toughest part of their schedule yet and had gotten away with a few close wins, a few close calls. So it's tough to tell. It's tough to put a pin on it. But overall, Morgantown is a weird place to play. Iowa State, yes, they got that win last week, but they still aren't living up to the preseason expectations everybody had for them as a true uh, threat to Oklahoma for the Big 12 title, which they have been far from it this year. This actually is one of the upsets to look out for of the week. Although I do think Iowa State is probably going to win this game, West Virginia at like, say, plus 250 odds would be worth a stab. It, it might be worth a stab for the outright win. Put them in an underdog parlay, you know, just like half a unit, a quarter of a unit, something. I don't know how much you guys put down, whatever you do. Again, not a financial advice. Again, just got to say that. <laughs> but I, yeah, so overall, I think this could be a close game. I feel like West Virginia could play a very similar game to like they did against TCU. Um, Letty Brown is going to have himself a day. I mean, so is Brees Hall. But seven points is a lot to work with. I think Mountaineers can cover this at home. If this was on the road, different story, even though they just beat us on the road. So, all right, next up, we're going. This one almost made my tier one card, actually. But we're taking Michigan at Michigan State, under 50 and a half. I really, really wanted to make a play on the spread for this game this week because this is, in my opinion, going to be the game to watch this weekend. This game is going to be electric. Maybe not on the score sheet because I do have the under, but it's going to be back and forth. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a really close finish. Uh, interesting fact about this game, though, since John Harbaugh's return to Michigan, uh, the home team has only won one time in this series. So. I don't know. That really doesn't have anything to do with the spread since, or the over-under since we're avoiding the spread, but just thought I'd include that. With the over-under, though, I really, really like the under here. Both teams are going to be playing a run-first offense. Kenneth Walker III is a legitimate Heisman candidate. He is a man amongst boys. Michigan as well. They love to run a 12 personnel, get two tight ends in there, and feed their running backs, get the blockers up front for them. They have Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins, who are 
in my opinion, the best one-two backfield punch in all of college football right now. These guys are putting up ridiculous numbers. It's crazy to see Michigan having a top 10 rush offense. And just, I think over 80% of their touchdowns have been rush touchdowns. Something crazy like that. It's wild. It's going to be a very, very slow tempo game. Michigan ranks below 100th in the country for plays per minute. And they're also 52nd in finishing drives, which could be beneficial here if we get a couple field goals rather than touchdowns. So I like this one a lot, this line. This is going to be a battle. Both teams are going to want to win this game. Obviously, it's a huge rivalry game, huge implications for the Big Ten standings and even playoff you know, implications potentially. I, I cannot wait to watch this game. I cannot wait. So I'm going with the under of 50 and a half. Next up in the SEC, I'm a little nervous for this one. A little nervous, but they did make my final round of picks. So we're going Kentucky plus one and a half at Mississippi State. I think this line is a little bit weird. It's what I would consider the definition of a trap game, which is what I've kind of harped on these past couple weeks. But I'm not buying it this time. I bought it with UCLA in Oregon last week. I'm not buying it this time. I know the odds makers want you to bet on Kentucky. And that's what I'm going to do because I think Kentucky is far and away the better team in this situation. Uh, the only reason I would say Mississippi State's favored is because Starkville is a pretty tough place to play with all the cowbells and everything. God, that would drive me crazy. And also, I know this is not how football works, but it is worth noting that Kentucky dominated LSU 42-21, to 21-point win. Meanwhile, the Bulldogs lost to LSU by three in Starkville. So I think Kentucky is the better team here. Slovis, I think that's his name, right? Oh, now I got to look that up. Oh, oh my God. What's his name? That, I'm thinking of Keaton Slovis. Uh, Will Levis? Levis? Yes, Will Levis. Will Levis. All right. That's his name. Levis is going to put up big numbers. Dude's been balling out this season. I'm I'm a little nervous. That's why they're not in my tier one. I think they're the better team. They have more to play for right now. Sure, they're coming off a loss against Georgia, but they want to prove that Kentucky's a good football team. I think also Mississippi State, too, their win against A&M shouldn't even count. Uh, and that loss with LSU, too, is a factor. But that win against A&M shouldn't even count. They were down to their backup quarterback, who somehow, some ungodly way, played a, a Cinderella story tale game against Alabama. But before that, that kid was not good. I mean, kids were calling for his head on the A&M campus. And he, he kind of gave Mississippi State that game. So Bulldogs got away with one there. Will they get away with one this weekend against Kentucky? I don't think so. Give me the Wildcats plus one and a half. I really think Kentucky's going to win the game, but you never know that one point cushion could be something. Might as well take the spread instead of the money line. It's not that much of a difference. All right, and then last up on Tier 2, I've got Iowa plus 3.5 at Wisconsin. It's weird to say, but I think Iowa might actually have a better offense than somebody. Graham Mertz is going to somehow, someway, find a way to lose this game for Wisconsin. I don't know how, but we'll see. Probably by throwing four interceptions against Iowa's ridiculous defense. Who? What was it? Seven? Yeah, they had seven turnovers forced against Maryland. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. Put the put the Purdue game behind you. Iowa still has a lot to play for, even with that loss. Wisconsin, not so much. Yes, Camp Randall's going to be bumping. 
Yes, it's a tough place to play, but Iowa is going to want to bounce back after that fluke loss to a not-so-great Purdue team. If Wisconsin wins this, though, actually, yeah, now that I think about it, hold on. Yeah, Wisconsin could actually still make the Big 12, the Big 10 championship game. Yeah. That's crazy. Wisconsin could actually still make the Big Ten championship game if they win this game. So maybe Wisconsin does have a little bit to play for. I kind of just psyched myself out on this pick a little bit, but we're still we're still going with Iowa plus three and a half. I, I think Iowa can win this game. And if they don't, three points, mm, I yeah, Wisconsin by three. Maybe I see that happening. But I think Iowa controls their own destiny right now towards a Big Ten shot against uh, Ohio State. And it starts with a win at Camp Randall. So if Iowa scores a touchdown first, that is the big key to the game. Biggest key to the game of all, Iowa scoring the first touchdown of the ball game because they are not a come-from-behind team, as we saw against Purdue. Not a come-from-behind team. Sure, they did against Penn State, but that's only because Sean Clifford went out of the game. So kind of had a hand it to him there. So I'm a little nervous, but I have been high on the Hawkeyes all year and I'm going to continue to ride with them. I think their defense is going to win them this game. Even if their offense can only put up 10 points, it might be a 10 to seven win. You know, um, the over under on this line is set at, or uh, the over under on this game is set at 37, which is disgusting for college football. Like, I don't think I've seen any line under 40 other than like in a military game, like army Navy type thing. So that's kind of wild to see, but Iowa's defense deserves it because they've been shutting everybody down. All right, just to recap tier two, we have West Virginia plus seven and a half versus Iowa State. Then we got Michigan at Michigan State under 50.5. Then we have Kentucky plus one and a half at Mississippi State and Iowa plus three and a half at Wisconsin. You know, I've noticed that last year I had a big habit like a really big habit of going with the favorites. And I would only take the favorites in the spread for some reason. I just always find myself liking them more. But now that I look at my last few cards, I mean, right now I have I have two favorites on the spread and five, five underdogs on the spread. So, and tier one actually is, yeah, there's some favorites in there. Well, let's go ahead and get into tier one. All righty. Feel my mouth starting to dry up. I'm running out of water now. I didn't plan, didn't plan for this. Ah. All right, tier one. Let's wrap this thing up with my absolute favorite picks of the day. We've been rocking with three, but this week we got four of them. So first up, I'm taking Rutgers money line minus 120 at Illinois. I think the Scarlet Knights coming off a bye, they're getting two wide receivers and a key lineman back from injury, which could be a big help for them. And also, I really, really, really think that the Fighting Illini are going to be drunk. It's still drunk on their upset win from Penn State last week. They also lost their quarterback, Arthur Sitowski, which is a really sick name, I just have to point out. But he's out for the season, and they're going to be going back with Peters, who has never eclipsed 200 yards in five starts as a college quarterback. Not too great. Although Rutgers has lost four in a row, Three of those losses were to Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, all top 10 teams in which they actually competed with Michigan State. And their other loss other than that was Northwestern, which I really don't have much explanation for you with that one. But what can what I can say is that I bet your ass 
Rutgers is going to want to bounce back after that. That was an embarrassing loss, and they're not the same 0-12, 1-11 Rutgers that we're used to from a few years ago. Their defense ranks 19th for finishing drives, which means like stopping drives as the opposing offense crosses the 40-yard line. 19th in the nation, which is crazy. So if, if, if Illinois plays anything like they did in their overtime game against Penn State, where they couldn't even get three yards at a time, imagine how it's going to be going against one of the you know best defenses past the four. I don't know, not red zone defense. One of the best, fuck. Oh, oh nope, can't say that. Never mind. We're just going to move on. We're just going to pretend like I didn't say that. I'll edit that out. Probably not, but it's whatever. Boise State minus two and a half is my next play. They're going to Colorado State this weekend, and I think this spread is an absolute joke. Somehow, both of these teams are three and four, but Boise State is far and away the better team here. I think the Broncos win this game by at least 10 points. If you're a guy of superstition, this game is for you because Boise State has gone win-loss, 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 you know, just a constant pattern of win-loss back and forth. And they're coming off a loss to Air Force last week, so... With that logic, they're due for a win here. They're also 4-0 and against the spread coming off the loss. They're also 4-1 and against Colorado State against the spread in their last five meetings. This is not the Boise State team we're used to. Their offense has really taken a dip. Their success rate isn't great. Their efficiency isn't so great. But they're still the better team than Colorado State. Uh, is, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. I don't, I don't see Boise State losing this game, and if they win this game, they're going to win more by more than two and a half. So that's why it's on tier one. This one looked like a free money type pick. So that's probably mm, – I don't want to say it's my favorite one of the, of the week. This one might be my favorite one of the week. We're going with Wake Forest team total. Only their team total, not the over-under for the game. Over 43 and a half versus Duke. Whatever this number was going to be, I was waiting for it, and I'm throwing all my money on it. All right, Wake Forest's offense is absurd, averaging 43.1 points per game, number five scoring offense in the country, and put up a 70 bomb against Army last week, who's known for having incredibly low scoring games. Meanwhile, the Demon Deacons come into town and put up 126 combined points with Army. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, especially with an offense like Army, you know who's so slow-paced, run first, choose clock. That was wild to see. And I think Wake Forest's offense is going to dictate every single game they're in just like that. If you look, there was this graphic that had a 50-yard touchdown, 75-yard touchdown, 58-yard, like all these big plays from the Wake Forest Army game. It was like, how? Anyway, Duke, on the other hand, they're going against Duke. Uh, Duke has gave, they gave up 48 points last week to Virginia in an absolute route. Their defense ranks 118th in finishing drives, which should be easy money for Wake Forest. Like I, like I mentioned, finishing drives counts for stopping an offense after they cross the 40-yard line. So not so great for Duke. They uh, kind of have a bad red zone efficiency as well. They're 64th. Oh, what's, I'm confusing my teams now. Wake Forest is 64th in passing success rate, and they're going up against one of the most explosive quarterbacks in the country. Sam Hartman is that dude. Like I said earlier, put up 458 yards, six touchdowns, zero turnovers. Honestly, I got way too many notes written out here. I'm confusing my own brain. Apologies on that, but all you need to remember from this is that Wake Forest is going to put up a ridiculous amount of points, and they're going to beat Duke by a lot of points. So give me Wake Forest team total over 43 and a half. All right, 
I've been going on. This is already my longest episode yet. But my last pick of the day is going to be Georgia at Florida under 51. And do I even need to explain? All, all you need to know is Georgia's defense. They're absurd. I debated between this line actually and taking Florida's team total under 18 and a half because Georgia has only given up 13 points twice. And that was against Kentucky and actually South Carolina of all teams. But still, that's it. They've only given up 13 points twice, and that's the most of all season. I don't think Florida's offense is – it's a good offense, but it's not spectacular compared to what the Bulldogs have faced this year. So to, to see – to predict Florida to put up you know three touchdowns on Georgia is just far-fetched in my opinion. I don't think that's something you could bank on. And I don't understand why the spread of this game is what it is. Georgia is minus 14-point favorites yet they were bigger favorites against Arkansas and they were way bigger favorites against Kentucky, who I would consider at least Kentucky to be a better team than Florida. So I don't know why, but a lot of experts are taking Florida to cover the spread as well. Sure. They're playing in the swamp, but Georgia is a clear cut number one team right now. I will say I'm nervous that Georgia is going to slip up eventually, but even if they lose this game, it's going to be low scoring. Give me the Georgia and Florida under 51 to round out the card to recap, Tier 1, we got Rutgers minus 120 money line at Illinois. Boise State minus 2.5 at Colorado State. Wake Forest team total over 43.5 versus Duke. And last but not least, Georgia at Florida under 51. Woo! We almost were close to an hour on this episode. All right. Well, that is all I got for this week. I hope, hope, hope we have another winning week of picks. We're riding the confidence wave right now. We have six winning weeks in a row. Let's make it seven. If some, if for some reason you're making the trip out to Manhattan for the Horn Frogs game this weekend, safe travels. Best of luck. Hope uh, somehow, some way, the Frogs can actually come away with a win. It seems like we've been doing better on the road, though, than we have at home. So who knows what's possible. But regardless, I'll be back here again on Friday to make my picks for next week's card. Thank you guys for listening. As always, be sure to leave a comment. Let me know what plays you're making. What are your picks? Who's your favorite game? What are you going to be watching this weekend? All that jazz. Love seeing that in the comments section. But for now, thank you all for listening, and I will see you on Ryan's Ramble next week.